This morning, we're finishing a series called How to Get More from God. How to Get More from God, which is kind of a funny way to think about it, but it's really been a study of the spiritual disciplines, some spiritual disciplines, some things we can do to further engage with God in our day-to-day life. Because really, when it comes down to it, we're trying to get more of something. Right? That's kind of a, a general drive for people. And we've been using this passage in Ephesians as kind of our rallying cry for the whole series. And it goes like this. Ephesians 3 says, Now all glory to God, who is able through this mighty work at, uh, sorry, through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. It's not about us trying to do more or get more. It's about allowing God to do infinitely more than we could ever do. And he is faithful to do so. Because we always want more, more clarity, more experience, more experiencing God in our day-to-day lives, more uh, success, more, you know, whatever it might be, right? Like, we're always trying to see the more, and that's kind of been where we've been the past couple weeks. So let me tell you about my last week and a half, okay? So I've got my wife, Aubrey, uh, I've got a a three-and-a-half-year-old, Addison, and a -a one-and-a-half-year-old, Sydney, right? Um, And so about a week and a half ago, Aubrey started getting sick where she had the head cold thing, a little bit of fever, headache thing, more just feeling gross, you know what I mean? And she had that sexy voice for like a week, where she's talking like this, right? So she's had that going on, just feeling gross, and she works from home, so she's with the kids a lot, but she's a superwoman, so she's, she's done great with the kids, so she's powering through that. Friday, we find out Addison, the three-year-old, has got an ear infection, yes! So she's dealing with that, and then Sunday, Sydney gets all snotty and stuff. So as you can see, our week is like stacking up to be awesome. So we've got all this stuff coming up in our schedule. Sunday, we kind of start looking at our week to go that's coming up. We've got a thing Monday night, a thing Tuesday night, a thing Wednesday. I've got some stuff I'm trying to get done with my work. She's got some stuff she's trying to get done with her work. And there's this thing after thing after thing, and I'm just tired thinking about it, right? And don't even think about putting the sick kids and stuff on top of it, right? So it's all this stuff. And, and from that... I hope you can see two things. One, we all want to do more. There's always something we want to do. There's always something we want to add. There's always something we we could be doing more of, right? But not only that, we all need rest. Can I get an amen, right? We all need some rest. So we want to do more, and we all need to rest. So today, I want to talk about how to do more with God. How do we do more with God? And I think it starts and ends with this idea. To do more, we must rest. It seems a little backwards, especially if you don't have a really healthy understanding of rest, but how do I get more done if I'm just resting, right? So to do more, we must rest. We're going to unpack that a little bit. But even further than that, I believe that if you don't rest, without rest, you will burn out. Has anyone been there? I know I have. Whether it's, you know, burnout from work, burnout from relationships, burnout from whatever. If you're not resting, you're going to experience burnout. And if you think it just affects one part of your life, you're wrong. If you burn out anywhere, it's going to affect your entire life, right? So, to do more, we must rest. And without rest, we're going to burn out. So, I think our culture, our just I think this might be an American thing, but I also think it just might be a person thing. We have a tendency to resist rest. There's this, there's this tendency for us to push it off and for it to not be a priority. And I think part of the reason for that is because we've believed a couple lies about what rest is. So, so as we jump in, let's talk about a couple lies about rest. First, I think we believe the lie that busy equals success, right? If I have my calendar packed, I'll be successful. If I do more stuff, I'll be successful. If I have no time to take care of myself, I'll be successful, 
Maybe, but you're also going to what? Burn out. You see that? Busy doesn't equal success necessarily. And busy can oftentimes replace the goal of success, right? If I just make myself busy, 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 and you feel busy all the time, cool, you've achieved your goal of being busy, but have you achieved the goal you actually want, right? Because you put the thing on top of the thing on top of the thing. So busy equals success. That's one of the lies we believe. Another one is that we're rewarded for being tired. Um, have you ever been like in the office or with your friends or whatever? And if you listen to yourself this week or listen to the people around you, you're going to hear this a lot. And it's going to be really weird because I'm, I'm calling it out. And I'm really bad about this. But someone will be like, hey, Chris, how you doing? And you're like, man, whew, I'm tired. Right? And that's like our given response. Oh, I'm tired. I'm real tired. Because we feel like if we say we're tired, we've been doing stuff. Right? So it sounds like, oh, I'm tired because I've been doing so much stuff. And especially in the workplace, I feel like it seems we've propagated this, this idea that if you're not tired, you're not doing enough, right? And so, like, we work. We're hired for 40 hours. I work 50. I work 60. I've got a good friend who is an incredibly faithful and loyal person, but he will work 80 hours because he wants to do a great job, and that's a great desire, but that is a recipe for burnout, right? So tired is not a merit badge we get for doing a good job and working ourselves to the bone. The last lie, or one of the last lies, I feel like, is that rest is the opposite of doing. Rest is the opposite of doing. That's not true. Maybe in like, in some literal sense, where like, literally resting of like, kicking my feet up and not doing anything is the opposite of doing something. So doing nothing is the opposite of doing something. I guess you're kind of right. But hopefully today you'll have a better understanding of what rest really means, and we'll see that rest is not the opposite of doing. Honestly, some rest, productive rest, like rest that's really valuable, couldn't be further from the opposite of doing. It's doing so much for us, even though we're taking the time to rest. Does that make sense? So those are some of the lies that we believe. So I think it'd be helpful for us to look into the Bible and what does the Bible say about rest? And what it turns out is it says quite a bit. We see all throughout the Bible, it talks about the value of rest and what it means and what it's for. And so uh, let's talk about a couple truths about what the Bible says about rest. The first thing is that rest is a biblical value. Rest is a biblical value. When you, again, when you look through the scripture, you'll see rest is put in this place of this is something we should be doing. This is a worthy pursuit rather than it being a negative thing or a poor connotation. Now, I'll say this, and we'll get to it a little bit la- later, but laziness is not the same as rest. Okay? Lazy is not the same as rest. Lazy and slothfulness is the perversion of rest. It's when you go way too far to the other side with rest. Does that make sense? So that's not what we're talking about. But here, rest as a biblical value is just a truth we see time and time again in the Bible. In fact, I believe we were made to experience and enjoy his rest. We were made to enjoy God's rest. We see this all in the Bible, especially in the creation story. Okay, right from the very beginning of the Bible, where we talk about where God takes each day and he creates a little bit more, a little bit more, to where the sixth day he creates man, seventh day he rests. Okay, so we see this uh, play out in Genesis 1, this is verse 27. He says, so God created human beings in his own image. That's setting up that connection between man and God. We're made in the image of God. We're made to experience things as God experiences them. So in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Let's go to verse 2, or chapter 2. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. Verse 3 says, And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, because it was the end, or sorry, it was the day when he rested from all his work 
of creation. So a couple things here. First, think of this. Uh, you probably haven't thought about it like this. Day six is when man was created, right? The very next day, the first full day of, of human existence, what are they experiencing? God's rest. You see that? God's completely resting on day seven. He's, that's what we just read. In day seven, God is resting. So our first day of, ex, of existence is experience the fullness of God's rest. That was day one. You see that? Not only that, think back to Adam and Eve in the garden. Okay? So when they're in the garden and they're experiencing, they're having what they're experiencing in the garden, they're not experiencing work or worry or any of that stuff. They're completely resting in God. They're completely relying on God for everything. The food that they get, the, the experience they have, everything comes from God. They are experiencing, they're living in God's rest. Do you see that? Not only that, but think about this. Before they decided to sin and turn against God, right? Before that, there was no fear. There was no anxiety. There was no worry. They weren't like, oh, where are those bananas going to come from tomorrow, right? They weren't like thinking about those things because God provided for them. But as soon as they decided to sin and turn against God and go against his plan for them, what happened? Fear, anxiety, worry. They became restless. You see that? They had to strive. They had to, they had to till the land. They had to make their own food. They had to process stuff for their own kids. They had to do all this stuff because they decided to go against God's plan. Do you see that? So we were made to enjoy God's rest. Not only that, but if you continue on in the Old Testament, we see that God promises rest to his people, his people being the Israelites, right? So when we look at the story of Moses, where Moses helped uh, uh, bring the Israelites out of captivity into freedom, the promise that God continues to give his people time and time again is a place of rest, the promised land. It's he's promising them rest and abundance and blessing. Like he is blessing, he's, he's offering uh, and promising this rest to his people. He values rest. And then I think most importantly, when we look in the New Testament, when we look around in the different stories, especially in the Gospels, time and time again when we look at Jesus, we see that he modeled rest. Jesus, time and time again, models rest. He has this time where he's working and doing, and then he goes away by himself. He has this time where he's, he's helping people, healing people, and then he takes time away to refocus himself. He modeled rest in his ministry. Um, and that leads us to our second truth, is that rest wasn't optional to Jesus. It wasn't something he penciled in if he had time for it, or if he remembered, or if he got up early enough, like then he would rest. No, op- rest was not optional for Jesus. Because remember, we said to do more, we must rest. That was true for Jesus, okay? So for example, uh, in the book of Mark, chapter 6, just in this one chapter alone, a lot of stuff happens in the life of Jesus. It's not like one day, but it's a, it's a short period of time where just in this chapter, these things happen. First, he's rejected at home. Okay, he goes back home, and he tries to help people and minister and do that, but he, he finds out that it's very difficult to be a prophet and to be a, a, a teacher back in your own home city because they just see him as the kid, and they essentially just shun him. They push him out, and he gets rejected at his home. Like, Could you imagine that, going back to where you're from, Seeing the people you've grown up with, that you love, that you care for, just saying, no, thanks, you can get out of here. That's hard. Like, as a person, that would be a hard thing to take. So that happens to him. Then he organizes and empowers his disciples for the first big ministry tour they're about to go out on. He's going to send them out. They're all going to go to different places. They're going to cast out demons. They're going to heal people in Jesus' name. They're going to do some pretty incredible things. So he's organizing them. He's empowering them and sending them out. That's a lot of effort and energy, right? So then, right after that, he gets some terrible news about the death of a close friend, John the Baptist. 
And not only is it, a, is it terrible, it, losing anybody is hard. It's really terrible. But if you know the story of John the Baptist, at the end of his life, what happens is essentially someone calls for his death to a king, and they kill him. And not only do they have to kill him, but the person is so vindictive and terrible, they ask for him to be beheaded. So not only has he heard the news of a friend dying, which is worse enough, it's a horrific, just terrible death. I mean, like, could you imagine hearing that about one of your friends? Put yourself in Jesus' place. That's a lot to process. He gets rejected at home. He's setting up this huge effort, and then he hears about the loss of his friend. Okay? Then his, his, his disciples come back to him. They're telling stories about their ministry tour, about what God's done, his faithfulness, and, and Jesus kind of stops them in the middle of their tracks, and he says this. This is in verse 31 of chapter 6. Jesus says this. And Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. His instinct, his first response when they come back from doing all this and from experiencing what he just experienced is, let's go off by ourselves and rest for a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So in this time, people are still coming to be ministered by Jesus. They're still coming to hear him teach. They're coming in, going out, coming in, going in. There's so much going on. Have you ever had a day where you're working, you're doing whatever, you're with the kids, you're doing something, you look up, it's 4 o'clock, and you didn't eat lunch? You know what I mean? That's the kind of day these guys are having, but they're having it day after day after day, and it's exhausting. So Jesus says, we need to rest. But this is the cool part. He says, let's go and rest, and we talked about to do more, we must rest. So what's the more Jesus is talking about? If you read the story on, if you continue here, they go and rest for a very short period, and they go, and right after that is when the story of feeding the 5,000 happens. That's the more. They rest so that they could do the more. You see that? So Jesus, Jesus sees what's happening here. He's helping to instill this rhythm, this culture within his disciples of resting as a regular part of what they're doing in life. They, to do more, they needed to rest. Another truth is, is that rest isn't lazy. We talked about that. Biblical uh, peace, sorry, biblical rest is peace. Rest isn't lazy. Biblical rest is peace. Okay, you can almost interchange those ideas. That when you hear rest, think peace. Okay, and not only that, what's the opposite of peace? It's to be restless. When you have no peace, you are restless. You hear that? There's this great quote from Augustine, who's an early church philosopher and theologian, and he says it like this. I love this, this quote. He says, God has made us unto himself, again, that connection between us and God and being made in his image, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in God. And you can even replace the idea of rest here with peace. Our hearts are, peace, are, are without peace until they find their peace in God. Our design is to receive peace from God. And, and the thing about this is you can't think of rest as just physical. It's not just kicking back on a beach somewhere, right? It's not just sitting down and watching football on Saturday or Sunday. It's not just relaxing. That's a part of rest. That's a piece of rest. But there's a difference between physical rest and spiritual rest. Physical rest is one thing, spiritual rest is another, but they're both a part of the whole idea of rest. They're both important. They're both valuable. You can't just do one or the other. And you've got to think of it like this. Physical rest would be like having rest from doing. I'm not going to do the yard. I'm not going to work. I'm not going to do these things. I'm going to relax a little bit. 
But what if you could have a spiritual rest, a spiritual peace where you had rest from being annoyed? Like being annoyed by that person at work who just won't shut up in the cubicle next to you, you know what I'm saying? Or that person down the hall, or that kid who won't stop talking in your classroom, or that kid who won't stop, stop talking who's in the bedroom down the hall from you, you know what I mean? What if you could have rest from being annoyed? What if you could have rest from being worried about what's going to happen to your kids, or what's going to happen next week at work, or what's going to happen with this paycheck, or what's going to happen, da, da, da. Like, what if you could have rest from anger? Like, you're just so angry at this person, and you can't help yourself anymore. You can't help but be focused on this anger. What if I told you you could experience rest from that? What if you had rest from the shame that you're carrying around? What if you had rest from that heavy burden of shame you've been carrying because of that thing that's happened to you? We're going to find that rest is possible for all these things. So what happens when we rest? What happens? Well, I think as a part of physical rest, there's a couple things here. First, you're refreshed. You're rested, right? You, you regain your strength back, kind of like, I, I'm a big, I enjoy CrossFit, and I, I like watching the CrossFit games and stuff. And if you watch those folks, the, the men and women who are there competing, if you watch them, the ones who are most successful do this thing where they work, 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 rest, work, 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 rest, work, work, work. And then the resting period is so they can be refreshed and refueled, yes, but they build their strength back up so they can go back and do something they couldn't do 30 seconds earlier. Does that make sense? So physical rest has a lot of value for us. But at the same time, there's, there's these features and results of spiritual rest, like peace, like security, like feeling secure in who you are, in your circumstances, and where God has placed you. This sense of purpose, of understanding what God's called you to, of taking the time to rest spiritually so that you can refocus and focus on the things that are most important, the things that are your purpose in God's plan for your life. And while rest may look different for every single person, like some people, I, I put up a post on Facebook this week just saying, hey, what's rest look like to you? And some people were like, yeah, the beach, the mountains. You know, some people just want to watch football. Some people were talking about some, you know, kind of more on the inner peace side of things. And, and it, it looks different for all kinds of people. And let me say this. What's rest for you probably won't be rest for your spouse, okay? So just because kicking back and watching football is rest for you, it probably doesn't feel like rest for your wife or vice versa. You know what I'm saying? So rest is not going to be the same for every single person, but I do believe there are some, there are some features, uh, uh, some similarities between all kinds of rest. First, I believe that rest will refuel us. It's that idea of taking a, a, a pause so that we might be refueled. We talk about here at Journey, we talk about like your cup being filled, right? And if your cup is empty, you can't pour anything out, right? So the idea here, if we're living a life that's meant to be of abundance so that we can be a blessing to others, if we're not refueled, there's nothing to pour out. Do you see that? So the idea here, we see this in Exodus 31, 17. We see this played out in the biblical story. For in six days the Lord had made heaven and earth, but on the seventh day he stopped working and was refreshed. If we're made in the image of God and he rested and was refreshed, then when we rest, we're going to be refreshed. Do you see that? So rest is meant to refuel us. Rest also helps us to focus. Okay, if you have time to relax and to rest, both physically and spiritually, you will regain a renewed focus. Clarity comes into play. This is also where prayer can play a really big part for you. Com having that conversation with God, what Zach talked about a couple weeks ago, can help increase clarity tenfold, right? So that spiritual rest and that physical rest together can help us to increase our focus on what's most important in our lives. 
And rest also will help us to give us rhythm, okay, that, that I think we're designed to kind of, like I talked a minute ago with the, the CrossFit example, we're meant to have that work and rest and work and rest. Because if you play it out either direction to where if you're only work and no rest, what is that? Burnout, right? That's bad. We don't want that. Now go the other way. If you're no work and all rest, you're slothful, you're lazy, you're in a place. Uh, uh, if, if you've ever had an experience with someone who's in the hospital for a while and they can't walk and they don't they can't go anywhere for a while, their muscles will atrophy. Their muscles will literally wear away because they've not been doing anything. The same thing will happen in your spiritual life, to where if you're not resting, you will start to wither away. God wants to continue to fill you up, to refuel you, to use that time of rest to build your strength, to refresh you. And that rhythm of working and resting, I think, is so important. And we, we have a really hard time finding balance anywhere in life. I don't know about you, but I know I do. But in this, this rhythm of working and resting is so important so that we might do the more that we talk about. So how do we rest? So the question here is, 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 is how do we actually do it? And I believe that rest comes ultimately. Rest comes from placing our trust and our faith in the promise of life that Jesus offers to every one of us. It's not about trying to, to force things or make things happen or or make plans for whatever. It's about putting our faith and putting our trust into the life that Jesus offers. And it's not about putting our, our trust into a set of rules and regulations, a religion. It's about putting our trust and our faith into a relationship with Jesus Christ. He offers life. He offers freedom. Now, there's a passage in Matthew that, uh, that a lot of people like to use when they talk about rest. And before we jump into what it actually says, I want you to see what it doesn't Say, this is not Matthew eleven twenty eight. It says this, or it doesn't say this, I guess. It says, then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rules to follow and ways to be judged and things you have to do and hoops to jump through. That is not what Jesus came to do. But I feel like a lot of us grew up or are existing in, in, in an experience that we've created in our own minds where we feel like we have to do and strive and change and, and whatever our way to God so that we might be good enough. And that is not what Jesus says. What Jesus says is this. This is what the scripture really says. It says, then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Not I could give you rest, or I should give you rest, or I might give you rest. I will give you rest rest. So if you're that person who's feeling weary or feeling like you're carrying this load on your back, the promise is for you that he will give you rest. It continues on to say this in verse 29. It says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. And he finishes like this. Take, for, take my, uh, for, for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give is light. Now, the truth here, at the very core of this, is, is this whole idea of the yoke, and, and what Jesus is trying to say here is that resting in Jesus is submission. Resting in Jesus is submission. Okay, that's the core of what it looks like to rest, to experience the peace, the life offered by Jesus. It's to submit 
to him. And the, uh, this is connected with that yoke idea that he was just talking about. He wasn't just making a picture or a metaphor about, you know, picturing a big animal with a big yoke on its back and carrying a load and that sort of thing. There's a little bit of that in there, but really what it's talking about is, is, is a practice from, uh, 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 from Judaism where the idea is where you would take upon the yoke of a rabbi, where you'd find a rabbi, a teacher, um, uh, who, who, who taught the scriptures a certain way, who saw things a certain way, who would establish certain gates and principles along the way, um, in addition to the scriptures, and you would take on his yoke. Okay, there's, there's a, a, a quote from a scholar here that I really like. It says, in the time of Jesus, taking the yoke of a rabbi reflected the disciples' willing submission. And that's important. It's not like, I kind of go to this church, or I tried this Bible study one time, or I did whatever. A willing submission an adherence to his rabbi's interpretation and application of the Old Testament scriptures. So when you took on a rabbi's yoke, you would teach the scriptures the same way. You would apply them the same way. In addition to that, they would add these kind of gates and measures in addition to the scriptures to help them stay away even further from sin. That's the rules. The don't do this, the don't do this, the try and not do that. We're not going to eat this. We're not going to do this. Because they wanted to stay far away from sin, which is not a terrible endeavor, but that is not what Jesus offers to us. He doesn't offer rules and lines and jumps. He says, come to me, all you who are burdened and are weary, and I will give you rest. So when he talks about taking the yoke, he's talking about, follow me. I will help you make your burden light. That's what he's talking about when he talks about take my yoke. We have to understand that learning to rest is a process. It's not something we're going to get tomorrow. You're not going to wake up tomorrow and be awesome at this. I'm not either. This whole week I've been really preaching myself as I've been reading this because it's, it's a difficult thing to do, but that same passage we just read in another version, in a, in a translation, um, the message version, it's a paraphrase of the Bible, it says it in a really beautiful way. I like this a lot. This is the same passage. It says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? the rules, the, the do this, the don't do this, the extra stuff we put on our faith. If so, come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Who could use a real rest? Anybody? I know I need that in my own life on a regular basis. He continues on, walk with me and work with me. It's not just about the rest. It's about seeing how he walks through his day, walking with him in your day. And work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn, I love this, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. That's the work, the rest, the work, the rest, the rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Real rest is experiencing peace in all things of our life, in our times and our schedules, our calendars, you know, what we see, how we use our time, experiencing peace in that, experiencing peace in our anxiety and our fears, what's coming up tomorrow, next week. It's experiencing peace in our hopes and our dreams. That they're not just this faraway thing that I would love to have happen one day, but it's something God might have planted deep in our hearts that we can achieve with his grace, taking step by step, learning the unforced rhythms of grace. Having peace in our minutes, our days, our hours, every single day, every single moment, we could experience his peace. To do more, we must rest. And if we don't, it's not a could, 
without rest, we will burn out. To do more, we must rest. So ultimately, I want to leave you with two questions. And these two questions, I hope we've we got to have an answer for both of them. And if you don't right now, that's almost a better thing because I kind of want it to haunt you this week. Because you have to have an answer for both. Because if you don't, you're heading for burnout. So the questions are this. What are you doing to rest physically? And what are you doing to rest spiritually? What are you doing to rest physically? What are you doing to rest spiritually? If you don't have an answer for that, you're heading for burnout. And again, it's going to look different for different people. Like I know folks who can go on a run, who can do both at the same time. They'll go on a run and they'll pray at the same time. And those people are crazy and that's fine. You're cool. But other people need to separate that. They need to rest physically and then rest spiritually in a different way, right? Some people are early morning folks. Some people are late night folks. Some people can experience rest throughout the day. They can take those breaks to pray. Prayer is a great way to experience this rest as a communion with God, a back and forth with God. The idea here is you need to know yourself a little more and a little better and identify those places where you need rest, those times where you can start to see the flags waving of warning, warning, I'm getting a little too close to the red, and you need rest. And then taking the time to experience both physical and spiritual rest. So how are you going to rest physically and how are you resting spiritually? We've got to have answers for both of those. So the last couple of minutes we have here together, um, I wanted to do something a little different. Um, and I, don't worry, I, I cut, I, I'm done way earlier on purpose so that we have a little bit of time for this. And I'm not going to ask you to do anything weird. I just want to ask you, real, this is the one thing I'm going to ask you. Just trust me for the next five minutes, okay? Because what we need to do is we need to practice resting, okay? Some of us are terrified of the quiet. Some of us are terrified to be still for a minute. So while you're sitting here, we're going to take a few minutes and just rest individually kind of on our own as a group. Okay, does that make sense? So take whatever you got in your hand, put it down, get your hands free. If you got a pen or whatever or, or notebook or your phone, just put it down to the side and put your feet flat on the floor. Put your feet on the floor and just kind of rest where you're at. So what we're going to do is some guided prayer. And all that means is I'm going to help coach you through thinking your thoughts and praying in a certain direction. I want it to be your words and kind of where you're at, but I'm going to help kind of give you some direction on where we're going, Okay. So again, we've got the time. Don't worry. We're all going to get lunch on time, I promise. Um, but just trust me the next four or five minutes, okay? Can we do this? Okay. So let's just close our eyes together and bow our heads. And let's just start just kind of where you are, just with some gratitude. Just thank God for, for whatever you're thankful for right now. Whether it even just be today, the weather, your family, God, the blessings, the things he's done in your life. Just take some time to express gratitude. And then the first, the first question, the first kind of area I want to turn your attention to is, is this question of, in what ways are you feeling weary? In what ways are you feeling weary? Just process your own thoughts, whatever they might be. It might be grief over loss. It might be worry about something that's coming up. You might feel overwhelmed. Are you feeling weary because of depression or despair? Or sadness, maybe, maybe even a bitterness, maybe insecurity, just whatever that is, just confess that to God. Just bring it to your attention.
Now, putting that at the front, the forefront of your mind, just, just focus on that idea, that, that thing, that whatever that weight is that's making you feel weary, I want you to take your hands and put them in your lap, just kind of put them out in front of you, and make two fists. Put your fists together and squeeze and hold. Squeeze and hold your fists real tight. Put that weariness, that thing that's causing you to feel weary right at the front of your mind. Keep squeezing your fists. Squeeze tighter, keep holding. And then release and, and pray something like this. God, I surrender these heavy burdens to you. God, help me overcome them daily by your Holy Spirit. Just pray for that grace to release those things that are causing you to feel worry. The second question is, is just simply this. What is keeping you from real rest? What are the things that are keeping you from real rest? Is it your schedule and busyness? Is it sin? Just a sin issue, a thing in your life that you can't, you feel like you struggle with that keeps you from experiencing rest? Is it that you don't know Jesus? Is it that you feel unworthy? What, what is keeping you from experiencing real rest. As you pull that thing to the front of your mind, I want to read some scripture over us. And as I read this, with, with that piece that's keeping you from experiencing the real rest in your mind, I want you to believe this scripture for yourself, that in faith that this scripture is true for you. This is Psalm 23. It says this. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. And he renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, brings honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley or the dark valley of death, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. With that truth in mind, pray something like this. God, thank you that I can find real rest in you through your grace. God, give me the grace that I need to experience your rest even as I struggle with my obstacles. Lord, help me to overcome and experience real rest. It's in your own words. God, I'm grateful for even just these few moments of quiet where we can process our own thoughts, where we can think our thoughts and submit them to you. Because God, real rest is submission to you, Father. Help us, help us to do this daily on a regular basis so that we might experience true rest in our lives. God, we desire to do more, but Lord, we recognize that we first must slow down. God, help us to reconnect with our relationship with Jesus the grace that he offers. God, so that we might live in his promise. God, live in your rest day by day. 
God, we need your help. We confess that we are not good at this. God, we ask for your help, for your grace. As we go this week, I pray you would help to give us answers for how we're going to rest and take care of our bodies as good stewardship for physically resting. And God, help us to find ways that we can rest spiritually so that we might be refueled and refreshed and filled up so that we might be a blessing to others. God, help us be more and more like Jesus every single day. God, we're grateful for your love, for your gentle hand, for the fact that you provide real rest. God, we pray all these things in your name. Amen.